Man, that's a good cup of coffee. If you're driving, you're going to want to swing by Starbucks, get some caffeine. If you're at home, brew up a cup of whatever your favorite grind is because you're going to want it today. You're going to need coffee because we're going to have a great conversation. It's going to make us think about the love of God. I'm a little emotional today because I just dropped my wife and son off at the airport to go visit my mother-in-law. So if you don't want sentimental, you picked the wrong episode today. But if you're brave, strong, and courageous, let's go on this journey together. Get your sugar, get your creamer, get your coffee. Buckle up. Thanks for joining the Noteworthy Podcast. This is your host, Nathan French. Let's go. Ephesians 6.15, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. It wasn't long ago now I had come home from a long day of stress and the chaos that we call life. It had been one of those days. I had started noticing some strange things at the house. There seemed to be a shoe thief among us. It didn't take long for me to realize that our little boy Judah had been taking my shoes to his bedroom, the kitchen, and every other room that you could possibly imagine. And that was the moment I'll never forget. I walked into Judah's room to find one of the most humbling and beautiful sights I had ever seen as a father. Judah was standing proudly with a big smile on his face, saying, Look, Daddy! And he was standing in my shoes. I won't lie to you, tears hit my eyes, because it was the first time I had ever truly realized that he wants to be just like me. I reached down and hugged him and prayed, Lord, I want to be just like you because he wants to be just like me. I really feel to tell someone today, I want to ask you a question, because obviously in today's podcast episode, we're going to talk a little bit about shoes, specifically our father's shoes. Let me ask you a question. What shoes are you wearing? Think about that for just a second. As a youth pastor, I'm approached by people asking me, Brother Nathan, Please help my child live for God. Brother Nathan, I don't understand why my child won't come to church. My child won't pray. And the first thing I ask them is, are you living for God? Are you faithful to church? Are you praying at home? 
And we need this generation of parents to strap on their father's shoes and start walking in holiness because there's somebody watching you. This episode is not just for parents today. I'm talking to anybody who is an influencer of any life. If you have an influence on somebody, this episode is for you. Little eyes are watching us. As a youth pastor, I teach my youth group that uh, ages 13 to 19, you guys don't understand that all the Sunday school classes below you are watching you and they want to be just like you. The way that you live for God as this generation will have an impact on this upcoming generation of Sunday school classes. And just like Judah looked up at me and he said, look, daddy, look, he was so proud that he was wearing my shoes. That's exactly how we should be about our heavenly father. Jesus, look, I want to be like you. Judah was, for whatever reason, in his one-year-old mind, he was so proud to be like me. What an amazing parallel that our Heavenly Father has given us, that He loves us like His children. We are His children. Psalm 119, 133 says, Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. You need to pray that over your life every day. Order my steps. You have a father that loves you. Maybe your earthly father didn't love you like he should have. But I really feel like I'm ministering to somebody's heart today when I tell you that there's a father that loves you. Let me tell you something about kids. I'm a new dad. My son is not even a year and a half yet. Children are what I like to call imitation specialists. They are watching everything that you do. Sometimes my son Judah imitates me, and I won't even have an idea that he's watching what I do. He he likes to grab my car keys now, and I'll go out to my car in the morning, and my trunk is wide open because Judah popped the trunk from my car key inside the house. That's the new norm. But he likes to go to the front door and grab my house key and try to put it in the front door. And evidently, for months, he's been watching me unlock the front door. And I never knew he was paying attention when we walked into the house. Listen, there are people watching you, and you have no idea they're watching you. And they're imitating you. They're inspired by you. What shoes are you wearing? The greatest imitation specialist of all are children, and that's why Jesus was the perfect example. I want you to just just go on this journey, take a sip of your coffee, revamp, revamp, take a sip. I want you to think about this with me for a minute, and I'm excited about today's topic because I really feel like somebody needs to hear it and... And I'm actually preaching about this on Sunday. It's just so 
strong on my heart right now. I can't seem to get rid of it. Jesus didn't have to pray, guys. I'm going to say that one more time. I, I want you to let that soak in. Jesus did not have to pray. He was God wrapped in flesh. He was showing us how to pray because we knew he knew that we as his children were imitation specialists. If he was going to ask us to pray, he prayed. Jesus did not have to be baptized. I I just I need you to think about this cuz I don't know if this is something you've thought about. Jesus didn't have any sin in his life. Bible says he became sin who knew no sin. He didn't have any sin in his life. He didn't have any sins that needed to be washed away. We're baptized in Jesus name because we're sinners. We need our sin washed away. And when you call the name of Jesus, that blood is applied to your life. And if you're listening to this today and you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, why don't you begin to pray about it and say, God, do you want me to be baptized? And all you have to do to know what your father wants is look at his word. Go read Acts 2.38. And it's going to tell you that you should be baptized. And it's going to tell you exactly how you should be baptized. Go read Acts chapter 2 verse 38. But Jesus didn't need to be baptized like me and you. But we had to be baptized for our sins to be washed away. And so Jesus said, baptize me. They're going to imitate me. They're going to watch me. They're going to do as I do. Jesus never asked us to do anything for him that he didn't already do for us. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. There is not one commandment from God that he wouldn't do himself. Have you ever seen a parent that does something that they don't want their child to do? It's it's always perplexing to me. Well, my... My daughter cursed the other day. I can't believe it. Well, do you curse? Well, (laughs) well, yes, but I'm an adult. Do you curse around your child? Well, I, I mean, I try not to. But I mean, you know, sometimes it just slips out. A lot of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So your kids are imitating you. They're watching you. And sometimes as earthly parents, we fall short and we do something that our child ends up doing, but then we get upset at them when they're just imitating us. My child doesn't go to church. Well, you haven't been to church in three months. I- explain that, that logic to me. Your child is imitating you. They're staying home with you. You are their 
example. And y'all, this is the heart of a youth pastor. You, you signed up for this today when you hit play. I don't want my child to curse. Then stop cursing. They're imitation specialists. They're watching you. Well, I don't want my child watching that junk. Well, are you watching that junk when they go to bed? Well, I don't, I don't want them to, uh, to do things that are immoral. Well, are you pumping immorality into your game room? What are you letting them watch? I'm telling you, it's all throughout Scripture. What shoes are you wearing? Are you wearing your father's shoes? When they look at you, does it make them think of Jesus? Or when they go to church, does that feel foreign to them because they haven't been in the presence of God since last Sunday? Matthew 6 and 9, I'm moving on. After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus said, when you pray, I want you to pray like this. Have you ever noticed Jesus never gave us this huge evangelism strategy? He never showed us exactly how we go win people. He just went and did it, and he said, watch me. But he actually gave us an instruction. He said, this is how you pray. Pray our Father, which art in heaven. Every time you pray, I want you to remember that there's a father that loves you and you are his child. Matthew 18 and 3, and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 18 and 4, you're seeing a pattern here. Whosoever therefore shall humble, humble himself as this little child... The same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus did not play when it came to children. Like he, he had this love for children. I love the story where Jesus is holding the child and, and he says, you see this child right here? He looks out at the crowd. Probably their parents. <laughs> I would be assuming he's talking to their parents. And he says, you see this child right here? And you think he's about to say something real sweet, but he says, it would be better for a millstone to be wrapped around your neck and you be dragged to the bottom of the ocean than to harm one of these children. Wow, Jesus, you ain't playing no games. You don't mess with his children. Do you understand that when the devil messes with you, He's messing with the child of God, and you need to put Satan in his place and say, do you know who I am? Even better, do you know who my daddy is? Do you understand who my father is? When I pray, I'm not trying to prove myself to anybody. I'm saying, look, Father, look, I'm wearing your shoes, look. And I just have this image imprinted in the front of my brain. Look, Daddy. And I look down and I see Judah. And God whispered in my ear and said, That's how I see you. That's how I look at you. 
When I was baptized in Jesus' name and all my sins were washed away, I wasn't doing that to impress you. I, look, Daddy. Look, I, I'm, I'm a little bit more like you. Look. When I walk in the Spirit and not the flesh, I'm not trying to impress you. Look. Look, Father. I, one day I made up my mind that I wasn't going to dress like the world, but I was going to dress holy because it matters. I wasn't saying that I'm better than anyone else. I was saying, look, Father, I want to be just like you. Yeah, we could learn a lot from childlike faith. When Judah goes to my parents' house, it's quite a sight to see. He's always so happy to be there. Judah learned early on that my parents didn't live alone. There was someone named Alexa that also lived there. Alexa is a programmed voice designed by Amazon, for those that don't know about her. And when you speak her name, she will respond to your questions about weather, the time. She'll play your Spotify playlist or whatever, and etc., etc., So when Judah walks into their house, he instantly says, Alexa, because he knows there's a voice that will respond to him. The funny part is, now he walks into every room of every house and calls out, Alexa. Even if they don't have an Amazon Echo speaker there, he calls it out because You see, as adults, we've learned how to process where that voice is contained and where it's not. But childlike faith just calls out the name and waits for a response, no matter where he's at. And how many know that there's a name that you can call anywhere, anytime, anyplace? And it's the name of your Father, Jesus Christ. A scripture comes to mind, Acts 2.21, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you said Jesus and expected an answer? Sometimes we need a Judah childlike faith that will call that name no matter where you're at, and prepare for a response. Call on Jesus in the midst of your pain. Call on Jesus in the midst of your chaos. Call that name in the midst of your valley and keep calling it on the mountaintop. So let's talk about shoes for a minute. After highlighting the belt and breastplate in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul drew attention to the soldier's footwear, which was distinctive from the other types of shoes from that time period. The, The soles were made of several layers of leather and were clenched with hobnails frequently arranged in patterns. And these hollow metal studs provided a firm grip on the soil. That's why it says in Ephesians 6.15, as shoes for your feet, 
having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. That's the English Standard Version, by the way. Shoes have a special symbolism in the Bible. In fact, the Bible is our oldest source to discover the symbolism of shoes. Shoes usually represent faith in God and readiness for battle, but they can also symbolize victory over the enemy. This is pretty cool. In ancient times, mighty kings used to send their shoes to the ones lower in status as a sign of their dominion. Could you imagine getting a shoe in the mail like, yo, king, just wanted to remind you I'm better than you. Just wanted to make sure that you knew that. Yeah. Yo, what up, king? I just, uh, here's my sandal. Just wanted to make sure you knew I had power over you and I'm your king. Well, that's what they would do. So if you get an Amazon package and it's a shoe uh, that you did not order, somebody's probably sending you a message, an ancient message. Anywho, Ephesians 6.13. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Paul didn't call it your armor. Paul called it God's armor. When you strap on shoes of peace, you're not strapping on your shoes. You just put your father's shoes on. Woo! Man. You just stepped into something that's bigger than you are. You just stepped into an authority and dominion that's higher than you are. You're no longer walking in your authority. You're walking in his authority. And that's the thing that's so amazing about footprints. Footprints are not based on your foot size. They're determined by your shoe size. If Judah were to put on my shoes and walk outside, you wouldn't see Judah's footprints. You would see mine. You see, when you're wearing your daddy's shoes, your footprints start looking a whole lot like his. Is it, Nathan, what are, you, what are you talking about? Okay, let, let me get preachy here for just a second, and then I promise I'm going to kick back into podcast mode. I may have small feet, but I have big footprints on the ground because these aren't my shoes. They're my feet, but they're his shoes. I want, I want you to hear me. The, the devil is not intimidated by your feet. He's intimidated by your shoes. That's right. In your humanity, you don't have power against the enemy. You have power when you put the sh- your father's shoes on and you walk in the spirit and you say, these aren't my shoes. These are, these are my father's shoes. Romans ten fifteen. And how shall they preach except they be sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. Wow. 
I had never made this connection until uh, my study this week. But Paul said, I mean, listen, here's Paul. I don't, I don't like to brag about much, okay? But I've got beautiful feet. <laughs> Not because of my actual feet, but because of the shoes of peace that are wrapped around them. You see, these aren't my shoes. I love how he called it the gospel of peace when he was talking about his feet. And in Ephesians, when he was talking about his father's shoes, he was talking about the shoes of peace. Young preacher, when you step into the anointing and preach the gospel of peace, you just strapped on armor. You just strapped on shoes that are not yours. Peter had been captured by Herod, and he now found himself in prison. But the church began to pray, and an angel showed up. And I want you to picture this with me as you drive or as you jog or as you listen. Peter is guarded between two soldiers, and he's bound by two chains. And it says in Acts chapter 12, And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers found bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side, and he raised him up. I want you to know this with, with, with me. He said, Arise. And when he rose up, the Bible says, and his chains fell off from his hands. But I want you to notice what happened. When he rose up and the chains fell off in Acts 12 and 8, and the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and put on your sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast your garment about thee and follow me. When the chains fell off, the shoes fastened on. And the first words spoken after deliverance was an angelic voice saying, Hey, put your shoes on. <laughs> and I feel, I feel an angelic voice speaking to this generation. It's time to put your shoes on. God didn't deliver us to sit down defeated. Prepare your feet with the shoes of peace. Put your father's shoes on. These aren't my shoes. They're his shoes. It's not my armor. It's his armor. Look, look, daddy, Judah told me. I'm wearing your shoes. Look, Jesus, I'm wearing your shoes, and I'm proud to be wearing them. God didn't deliver you to to stay asleep between those two soldiers with those two chains on your hands. No, when God broke those chains off of your hands, he gave you a, a commandment. He said, put your shoes on. In other words, 
I didn't deliver you for you to sit at church and just enjoy the buffet. I delivered you to go to battle. Because isn't it ironic that shoes of peace were a part of battle honor? It was a part of armor, part of God's armor. How crazy is that? Well, think about it. Here in America, you experience peace because somebody's at battle for you. There's soldiers out there that have fought for your freedom. And the same goes with the kingdom of God. If we're going to experience peace in our hearts, peace in our minds, peace in our families, in our finances, in our churches, in our youth class, in our youth group, in our student ministry, somebody better put their shoes on and say, this is worth fighting for. Peace is worth fighting for. I thank God every day that I live in a country with freedom because somebody strapped their their boots on and they put their boots on the ground and they went to war. The church needs to have their shoes on the ground. We need to be ready to fight for the kingdom of God because my son experiencing the peace of God is worth fighting for. My students feeling the peace of God is worth putting my shoes on. The shoes had metal rods on the bottom of them, hollow metal rods, because when they would hold the shield of faith, when an enemy in that time would push against you, a lot of times it'd be easy to slide on the dirt or slide in the mud on a rainy battlefield. And those spikes that went into the ground, it helped them stay put. It helped them stay firm so that when the enemy pushed against their faith, they didn't have to slide back. You don't have to backslide. Put your shoes on. Put your shoes on. God designed the shoes of peace. He designed his shoes to keep you planted. Your bare feet are not enough to stand. You need your father's shoes. You need the shoes of the one who created you. He created those feet. And yeah, I'm going to have to grow into these shoes. They don't fit me yet. When Judah tried walking in my shoes, he fell and he fell and he got back up again and he fell because they're too big for his feet. God's shoes are too big for my feet, but I don't have to wait to put them on. It doesn't fit in the world's eyes, but to God, he says, no, I think you're ready. Go, go ahead and put them on, and they're going to help you because it's not about your feet. It's about your shoes. Guys, thanks for letting me share my heart with you today. Um, you've probably noticed that I'm going to an every other week format, uh, and I'm doing that because I believe you guys deserve quality episodes, and it gives me a little more time to prepare and study, and it gives me a little more time with my family, and um, so every other week you can expect an episode, I promise, and we're going to make it happen. 
Um, every once in a while, if I have a guest and I'm just really, really excited for you to hear the interview, I might release it a week apart. But for the most part, these episodes will be dropping bi-weekly. Just a couple things I wanted to mention as I let you go. Don't forget about North American Youth Congress coming up at the very end of July into the first two days of August. And then we have the Battle Cry Tour with Brittany Scott, James Wilson, and Court Chavis. Rachel and I will be singing at the Atlanta location at Atlanta West Pentecostal Church on May 20th. Tickets are selling quick, so you're going to want to go to battlecrytour.com and snatch up your VIP tickets so you can be ready for the merchandise tables and also be a part of a Q&A with the artist. Guys, I love you. Thanks for tuning in today. Don't forget, when the chains fall off, the shoes fasten on. It's time to walk in our Father's shoes. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would touch anybody that's listening to this podcast right now. I pray that you would encourage them to put your shoes on, even if they don't fit, and let them begin to walk and prepare themselves to work for you. And we'll give you all the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name. Guys, have a good day. It's going to be a great weekend. Have great church. Have a good day at work on Monday. Remember, little eyes are watching you. Don't forget, somebody's imitating you. Make sure they're imitating the right things. I love you guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye.